Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Hey, Mondo listeners. I'm with Nick Vidros uh, from Lumi Neon Museum. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Max. Happy yeah, to so be- the, a lot of that we talked about the um, just the force of neon and you know the collectability of it now. Uh, obviously, it's a bit of a spectacle, but I think more than anything, it's a real um, homage to a different time, but also the transition we have now uh, between sort of what people's favorite destinations are for neon and kind of just mobilizing it. So it's easily um, you know associated with a particular uh, space, and I think you've you've done a great work, a job, sort of putting together. Um, you know, Kansas City's history, but maybe talk about what it is that you got interested in when you came upon Neon, either in the vintage sense or just, the, you know, how you've um, wanted to go out there and, and build this museum. Well, I'm a professional photographer by trade, so I've always uh, loved uh, space and design. And uh, um, I've always admired uh, industrial design whenever I travel, uh, like if I go to Europe, I, I can marvel at the shape of a mailbox uh, from another country or a park bench, or I would look at the signage and I would go, oh my God, I love the way they do signs over here. And uh, it helps me bring back ideas to uh, Kansas City when I travel. And uh, my journey sort of started in uh, 2017. I wasn't really into neon at all, other than I just always liked it and admired it. Uh, but uh, Crick's camera uh, was going out of business and they were going to sell their uh, uh, Crick sign. And uh, they they sent me an email because I'm one of the uh, uh, more well-known photographers in the area. And they wanted to know if I wanted to buy it. And I, they, they said, uh, somebody offered us $100 for it. And I said, oh my God, don't sell it for $100. I said, uh, give it to me and I'll, I'll try to do something in the community because I could have put it in my house, but uh, I had just built a new house and didn't think that was a great idea um, because it meant so much to the community. So I just kind of sat down and said, uh, well, I, I think I need to do something with maybe a, some sort of a neon uh, museum or grouping. And uh, I pulled together a board of directors of, uh, pretty well-known um, business people through the, throughout the community and uh, just started uh, my second sign and a third sign. And next thing I knew I was rolling. Um, to... That's exciting. And, you know, I think it also too is it's, I mean, people get uh, underestimate the, the, you know, the, the huge um, effort it takes to, to really away, uh, raise money. Obviously you have a board, which is, is super helpful. I think, the responsibility of a lot of these science, you know, you need, you need a team to help you, um, especially when it comes to continuing on that responsibility. Um, was it easy to associate those individuals? I mean, especially with the money financial, I think you guys had, had also done a GoFundMe, which I think is also something that we promote on the show, just sort of getting the word out there and putting things out online. Um, was that helpful? We, we started with no money. Um, and our name was Save the Casey Neon Inc., INC Incorporated, and uh, we applied for a 501c3. We wanted to be a nonprofit, um, 
because we didn't want people to think we were profiting from getting their sign. And uh, we knew that that would set us apart from some of the uh, sign people that were trying to buy them up and resell them or put them in their house um, or uh, worse yet, move them out of the state. We were really concerned uh, to kind of hang on to our precious signs. And uh, I, I got to be honest with you, it took me about a year or two to completely fall head over heels in love with neon. I, I didn't start out head over heels in love with it. I, I thought it was great. And, uh, and, still, and then I started putting a few pieces in my home and the power of neon uh, started to take over my walls. Hmm. And uh, it shoved out some of the great photography that I had. I kept taking pictures down and putting up neon. And now there's 10 neons in the house and uh, I'm head over heels in love with neon. And I've noticed too, even when you guys had actually started it, I read something about, and I thought it was intriguing, was something to do with an alleyway, which is such a cool idea, you know, the premonition to have neon outside and outdoors. You know, I think with the boneyard, it's helpful to have something that's also, you know, preserved in the sense there isn't you know, a crazy amount of storm issues or weather issues or climate issues going on. Um, how did, how has that transition initially, you know, obviously as the collection balloons, a lot of people love the idea of having a lot of signs, but don't realize the complexity around that. Yeah, it's extremely complex. And uh, uh, we are calling it a neon alley, but it's actually not a city alley. Uh, it's not a thoroughfare where uh, cars can go down it. Um I did my, make my way out to Pueblo, uh, Colorado. I kind of did it as a destination with my wife. Uh, we were in Denver and I said, well, let's boogie over to uh, Pueblo. I want to check out their neon museum. So we, we went and got a drink and kind of waited until sunset. And then we uh, put on some music and drove really slowly through the uh, Pueblo um, neon alley. And I thought that, God, this is spectacular love this and uh there were other cars kind of lining up and there were people jumping out taking pictures and i thought wow it really brings people uh downtown i thought what a great idea and uh so we kind of kept the alleyway in our minds but most alleyways in kansas city are two buildings buttressed to one another and so if you put signs up on the out in the alleyway um, you can't do big signs because there's no way to back up and look at them. Um, and it, it's just problematic. So we knew that wasn't going to work. And uh, what we ended up finding was a partnership with a developer who's um, got about six or seven acres and it's uh, three blocks west of our uh, Union Station. It's a fabulous location and it's going to be called Penway Point. And it's under construction now, and um, they're they are building uh, an infrastructure of uh, steel I beams uh, that'll run parallel from one another, about approximately twenty eight to thirty feet apart. And we're going to put our uh, neon collection on display there, and then at the very end of it, we're hoping to have the uh, cat sign uh, that's going to rotate. It's a twenty foot. Uh, cat head that's uh, a very historic uh, sign uh, from Kansas City 
that dates all the way back to the 1930s that we uh, built new. Yeah, it's a substantial effort. And the I mentioned the cat sign is unique. It was this, you know, streetscape fixture in Kansas City. And it's really cool. It's got a cat with a bow tie. And there's just so much um, history inside of this 10-foot replica. I think it's been, you know, fashioned by a number of restores. And, and ultimately, it's part of the museum now. It's really cool to think of a sign that was also, I think people have reluctancies to go in and, and really restore some signs that didn't necessarily have um, a good exit, meaning like they're either rusted out or there's inconsistencies with a lot of the framework, so they aren't used. I more or less think that there's a beauty in the fact of you know creating something that's almost in a way not necessarily trying to completely uh, you know remedy the situation, but you know be a new version of that and have other people um, you know also relate to it. It's obviously considerably a lot lighter because it's aluminum. I was reading, but the original sign was like 116 feet of neon tubing. Uh, it's just it's just an incredible, I think that's what's on it now, but it operated on 65 different stores in five states. And it's, you know, it goes back to the, like the early 1900s. Uh, it's such an amazing part. How do you guys kind of speak to that old sign? Meaning what was the process for that? Did you know you wanted to do it or did someone come up with the idea? Um, well, it was my idea uh, back in 2017 because I thought it would kind of be the Holy Grail if we ever found one. And we just didn't find one. And um, they all got junked in 1971, which was tragic. And uh, so I started way too late in the game. Um, after I started to love signs and love uh, neon, I kept thinking, oh, my God, why didn't I start this back in the 80s? I could have had whatever I wanted. Um, it would have been terrific, but uh, I didn't. And so you have to do uh, the best you can with what you have. And uh, so a, a really nice firm, Infinity, uh, did a sketch of uh, of the cat sign. They, they did kind of a rough sketch, and uh, I wanted it to rotate. And uh, I, wanted it, I wanted to take some of the best aspects of different cat signs because uh, not all of them rotated, only, only a few of them rotated. And then others had a different look. So we, we kind of, um, um, what's the word, mashed uh, two to three of the ideas together into the sign that we wanted to create. So this is not, we're not trying to say it's an exact replica, uh, but it, it's a built from scratch, uh, paying homage to the cat sign. And of course the word mark matches and uh, the cats, the cat head uh, matches. And um, um, we were just so excited uh, when we got a sponsor for it. Um, and the sponsors uh, stepped up. It was uh, Fred and Jamie Pryor and they understood what I was trying to do. And uh, when they sent me an email, uh, hey, we're thinking of uh, sponsoring that. We think it'd be a great idea to build it. Uh, that was about like the best email that I had received all year. I was so excited. It's cool too. I think also I read something about uh, Steinmetz Neon, which there's a great, you know, it's like 30 plus years of, of neon making going on there. And, you know, it's cool to have, you know, all these other people come and help out either from the neon side, but also it's a learning experience. I think obviously res restoration is, is really tricky. And you, like you said, it's 
either through donation or uh, resuscitation or breathing new life into NEOM, which I think a lot of NEOM museums I give credit for, for trying to take an interest in younger artists or even people where they could argue that, oh, well, this isn't necessarily vintage or it's not historically important. But I'd argue that, you know, those are the reasons why NEON is still around is because people still want to do it. And to include those individuals is not only an, uh, a nod, but I think it's removing a lot of the barriers, you know, difficult is issues include cost to entry, um, ability to kind of set up a shop, have the right ventilation, include the right materials. And that's not to mention just, you know, having gas lines and things like that running around. So I really want to, you know, put, put a, um, you know, shout out to the, to the museums that are doing things like this and looking for smaller ways to include other neon other than just, you know, having to go out there and find the biggest and the best signs out there, you know. Right. Well, Max, we um, ended up selecting uh, Fossil Forge to build it. Uh, they came with a, came in with a really attractive budget to make it happen, uh, and we knew their quality was going to be fantastic. And uh, Ben and Dave, uh, uh, I'd known them, and I felt very comfortable with their personalities and their follow through. Uh, so they they did that. Uh, Randy Steinmetz uh, was one of the great neon vendors in the region here, and uh, he retired, but uh, Element 10, uh, it's still his company, uh, followed through with uh, the neon bend on that. Um, he's taught his daughter, uh, Olivia, uh, to bend, and uh, uh, he has a son, Dylan, and uh, that, that team works on it, uh, even though Randy's uh, uh, retired. That's awesome to see a whole family come together like that, especially um, to, to really acknowledge what the hard work all was about and now seeing it pay off must be super uh, rewarding. Um, in, in terms of the, the Neon Speaks, I know you're part of that just recently. What was, what was that like? I know you're talking about some of the history and the projects you're working on. How has it been working with that, that whole team? I really liked working with uh, Randall and Al. They were terrific. They accommodated me and, I was able to uh, still go on my vacation and not stress over having a Zoom. We pre-recorded it early, and then uh, when I was in um, Yellowstone, I, I I jumped onto a Zoom call so that I could uh, answer a few questions if there were any. And so I think it went well. I mean, there's always regrets after you finish something like that because you'll forget to mention something that you that was pertinent, uh, but. I was happy to be a part of that, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of happy and a little shocked that I've become part of the uh, Neon community because uh, um, <laughs> I never really considered myself a, a sign guy or a, a Neon guy, but I guess all of a sudden, since we've rescued uh, 72 signs and uh, we've got seven giant signs, uh, and honestly, I, what I have to say about the giant signs, those are much easier to acquire than uh, small to medium-sized ones. Um, the small to medium-sized signs people can put in their uh, man cave or their woman den. and uh, But the big signs, if there's a 30-foot sign, people don't know what to do with it. And uh, we do. Uh, we, we, we rescue it. And we have a place to store it. And uh, we're going to put these giants back up again. And that's what's really going to be impressive at Penway Point. It's exciting too to hear um, new projects, things coming up. You want everybody to know about? Uh, let's see. 
we have a few signs that are right on the precipice of being gifted to us, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. I, I'm waiting anxiously for one of them. Uh, I'm hoping it happens. And uh, about two weeks ago, I, by myself, you know, had a crew come and pick up this uh, 4,000 pound uh, four acre motel sign that we had had soda blasted. And uh, we, we found out that soda blasting was a really great way to remove uh, paint. Um, we couldn't believe that somebody actually painted the porcelain. Uh, just, it's shocking to me uh, why you would paint something that's so perfect. Yeah, all right. But it was, and uh, stripping off that paint would have taken uh, days to do, but uh, the soda blaster uh, knocked it out. and It turned out to be uh, more cost-effective for us to do that. So we transported it across town and laid it down on the other side. Um, we flipped the sign over and the soda blaster finished uh, today. So I'm excited about that being rewired. Uh, Midwest sign, uh, Jason Yeager, he's going to uh, oversee this. He's a sign guy and he cares about uh, old signs the way I do. Um, he learned that from Ben Wine, uh, a guy that he hired on and it. It's very contagious once you get uh, involved in uh, restoring historic old signs um you just can't quit it seems to be something that uh once it catches hold when you get a hold of another possibility to have another sign you just go for it yeah and also too i think it has to do with the sort of the the history of telling a story i think oftentimes we forget that these people that were involved with these signs carried on the work that was was supposed to be done but that it means something to someone else in a different light you know so many people talk about what a store meant to them or what it means to them now. And it, it's less about the, the, the capitalistic you know, effort behind it, but more about, you know, these are businesses supported local communities for a long time and maybe, or maybe not, they're still relevant, but the more important part is that people acknowledge that there was, you know, real effort behind it. There was, a, there was a commonality between, you know, the person to the left of you and the right of you. And I think we need that more than ever right now, especially when it comes to, you know, the, the divisive nature of most media and how things are working out. I think we can all appreciate um, what art can do, you know, in the bigger and, picture. And to me, uh, signs are a big part of the historical fabric of your city. And uh, when a lot of times you think of a business, if you think of the I-70 drive-in, a lot of people that uh, badge is blazed, blazing in their, in their head. It's just... Uh, it's what you think of uh, when you kind of remember the place is the sign. And there's a great uh, quote that uh, Curtis Shaddox, who was on our board, uh, told me, and you've probably heard it a thousand times, but I had not. And I thought it was very clever. He said, uh, a business with no sign is a sign of no business. Good point. You know, people uh, oftentimes do associate signs with a, with a certain calling. And I think we've learned a lot, uh, especially with with our our other neon community members, is that you know everybody has their own taste of what's important, but there's definitely no turning back. Like you said, once you get once you get involved, you, you start to realize that it's a lot similar than you realize. You know, especially with the way it looks, people say, "Oh, what do you collect or what are you doing?" But I think we can all agree how unique it is to have uh, 
you know, some sort of attachment to it nowadays, especially with, you know, the way things have been. But I think a lot of people like you or and the individuals that are putting together these collections, uh, we owe a great deal of, of energy to, especially when it comes to trying to get the information out there. Um, if somebody has some neon or knows of it and is in that area, how can they get uh, reach out to you? Uh, they just simply have to go to our website, uh, the luminionmuseum.org. And we're a .org. Uh, we're a nonprofit. And uh, on there, they can reach out to me by hitting contact. Uh, we love to hear from people. Some people just uh, tell us stories. Um, and we're happy to get the stories. Uh, that's one of the things that we're doing for our didactics is uh, we've cre created uh, really interesting stories by interviewing uh, the survivors of the business, the uh, children or the grandchildren of the businesses and finding out little facts uh, about the businesses. Um, so that's going to be fun. We'll, we'll end up creating a QR code so that if somebody's a young person or an old person that uses QR codes, they can find out more about the sign by uh, simply uh, um, reading the QR code. But we're going to also have printed didactics for people who just don't want to mess with uh, looking at a phone. They'll be able to walk in and kind of read and look at the sign and then say, oh, that's where it was located. Uh, because as time goes on, after I'm gone and more, more generations come uh, come on board, uh, people are going to want to know where these signs were, what part of the city they were. So it's important to record all that stuff while you have the information. That's great. Well, thank you, Nick, from uh, Luminion Museum for coming on the show. Appreciate everything you do for the community and, and excited to see all the progress happening. Um, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, you getting a hold of me. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.